Listeners, and welcome to Sebastian Films Unlimited presents Dark Corner. My name is Kyle Kaufman, and I will be your host on this episode of Dark Corner called I Go By Tony. If you are new to the podcast, Dark Corner is a new podcast where we will bring a new scary story with every episode. We hope to feature new writers on each episode, so if you are a writer and you're interested in submitting a short scary story that you've written, please visit our website at SebastianFilmsUnlimited.com. And from there, click on the podcast tab and follow the instructions to submit. This episode is called I Go By Tony and is a short story that I wrote. I won't be reading it to you today because the main character is actually from Brooklyn and I cannot do a Brooklyn accent. So in an effort to not offend our Brooklyn listeners, I won't even try. (laughs) So I asked my friend George Brooks to read I Go By Tony and he did a great job. So I hope you enjoy the story. I Go By Tony, written by Kyle Kaufman. When the cravings come on, they come on hard, unexpected, like a thief in the night. They make me want to rip my insides out, all-consuming, super painful. There's a way to prevent them from coming on so strong, but... I have a hard time committing to it. Basically, I have to eat more. That's it. Easy, right? Nah, not for me. Especially not since I decided to only target bad people. You know, people who deserve it. Criminals on the street, or people I know who are causing harm to others, like child molesters, sex traffickers, you know. People like that. My name is Anthony Marino, but I go by Tony. Pretty much since the 80s. I'm technically 122 years old, but I look like a 26-year-old. Well, scratch that. I have short black hair that I'm stuck with because ever since I was turned, my hair doesn't grow anymore. Same for my facial hair. I had just shaved the day I was turned, so my face that I'm pretty much stuck with for all eternity is a clean-cut puss that makes me look even younger than 26, like an 18-year-old boy. I'm not complaining. The ladies love the look, but... Just haunting seeing the same face stare back at you every day for over a century. I'm about 5'11 and I weigh 170 pounds right on the nose. Can't gain or lose an ounce, which some people would consider a blessing. It's not. None of this is a blessing. The whole damn thing is a curse. You see, I'm a vampire. A vampire living in Los Angeles. I didn't start out in Los Angeles. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. In case you couldn't tell from the accent. 
122 years still sound like I'm walking the streets of Bensonhurst. I used to work for my father at a shoe store he owned. Life was tough back then, right after World War I. Spanish influenza was sweeping across the world. But then the Roaring Twenties hit. Yeah, those were better times. Well, for the rest of my family, in fact. For me, you ever heard of being in the wrong place at the wrong time? That's what happened to me on a cold winter night in 1921. I was walking home from the shoe store around 11 p.m. and a copper stopped me, wanted to know where I'd been for the last two hours because a woman was killed in an alley near us. Her throat ripped open. But the look on his face still kind of haunts me to this day. He said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen. Something no man could have ever done. He wanted to know if I'd seen a wild animal in the area. In this city? This guy must have been off his rocker, I thought. But seconds later, his jugular exploded right in my face, covering me in blood. As I stood there with my mouth open wondering what had just happened, a figure appeared behind him. He was tall, unnaturally so. Purple veins ran throughout his face. Piercing red eyes just staring at me in the darkness. And that's when I saw him. The longest, sharpest teeth I'd ever seen in my life. And he just plunged him into the officer's slashed throat, ripping out flesh to get access to more blood. Within two minutes, all the color from the officer's face vanished and he was as pale as a sheet. He fell to his knees, then face first onto the cement. And this figure, this creature, whatever it was, stared right at me. His evil red eyes just locked onto mine. And you'd think in a situation like that, fear would take over. You know, fight or flight. Your first impulse would be to, like, scram. But I couldn't. I was stuck. You know, like those movie stars that put their hands and feet in the cement at the Chinese theater. That's what it felt like, like my feet were stuck in the cement. I would have said my knees were locked, but they were clacking together so loudly the neighbors probably thought somebody was playing the maracas. And I couldn't look away from those eyes. And suddenly he lunged forward and dug those fangs into my neck. The pain was unbearable. Two burning holes right in your neck. But he didn't drain me dry like the cop. Maybe he was full. But he let me go. After about 30 seconds of drinking my blood... He placed his hands on my face. They were cold, like dead fish, but gritty. Long fingernails sliding down, cutting into my cheeks. He leaned in, I thought he was gonna kiss me. 
but he just whispered in my ear. Welcome to the family. Or something like that. I never saw him again. But the next three days were hell. Couldn't stay awake during the day. Woke up at night. Sick to my stomach. The worst hangover. Like I'd been on a two week long binge. The cravings were uncontrollable for the first five years. I just had a need for blood and I didn't discriminate on who I fed on. I couldn't. It was a need. It was substance, sustenance, whatever. It just like I couldn't get, sh I couldn't shake it. I had to drink blood. When you're a brand new vampire for the first decade or so, you need about 30 pints of blood a night. The average human body doesn't hold that much, so you got to feed on multiple people just to survive. I managed to get a little better within the first five years. I could maintain off of just 20 pints of blood. But apparently when I turned, I didn't lose my conscience. I didn't want to kill anybody anymore. I mean, at first I couldn't help it. I had to survive. You know, it's no different than, you know, humans bashing in the skull of a cow to send it to the slaughterhouse. And then, you know, boom. Medium rare filet mignon, right? Cow didn't do anything to deserve it. Didn't do anything to that human. It's just a circle of life, you know? But something kept nagging at me. I used to be human. Now I'm feeding on humans. I didn't like it. So in the 80s, I changed how and who I killed. I decided to only drink the blood of those who deserve to die. I mean, I'm not God. But since I'm cursed with this illness from hell, I might as well clean up the trash while I'm at it, you know? Contrary to popular belief, we can go outside in the daylight. We just choose not to. We're in a weakened state. Vulnerable. Why set yourself up for failure? Plus, because of the lack of a beating heart and blood flow in our own bodies, we tend to be very pale. I mean, we're technically dead. No blood running through our veins to give us color. We're cold, too. I try not to be clammy. Sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes the skin just feels like a cool waterbed, you know? Just kind of cold and squishy. Anyway, this is pretty much why we choose to be children of the night. People don't notice your pale skin so much without the sun out so we can hunt better. Last night, I picked a target. That's what I call them, targets. The ones that I've selected to rid from this earth because 
They're just vile and evil. This particular guy is named Pinky. At least that's what they call him on the streets. He's a pimp. He regularly runs about five girls in the neighborhood. But unlike most pimps, he doesn't encourage his girls to go out and find customers. He finds the customers for them. And they're not nice men. Just looking for some warm body for the night. They're into some twisted stuff. Pinky forces these girls to be his hookers. I know this because I've witnessed him many times tell them, do what the men ask or die. Just last night, he killed one of his girls for refusing to get in the car with four large men. Four large men who just by looking at him could tell had no good intentions for this girl. She said no. They argued for a bit and then without hesitation or even emotion, Pinky put a bullet in her head. Right there. On the street. Nobody did nothing. I would have got him last night, but I had already fed off two drive-by shooters. You know, it's East L.A. Gangbangers, it happens. I was full for the night. But I made sure that I kept an eye on where Pinky went. He's mine tonight. I keep to the shadows, waiting for the perfect moment. He doesn't know it, but I've been following him for the last hour. He enters a narrow alley surrounded by empty boxes and trash. But he's not alone. He's got some young thing, barely 18, by the nape of a neck. They're arguing. He's trying to make her do something. But then they both see me. I step out from behind one of the dumpsters. The girl's terrified. Pinky just looks at me, cold. As I get closer to him, I can see his leathery face and his meth-rotted teeth. What do you want, he says. And then he moves his jacket so I can see the gun nestled between his belt and his stomach. I look at the girl. She's even younger than I thought. Her eyes are bloodshot from lack of sleep, and her hair's been bleached to the point it looks fried. She looks at me with pleading eyes. Scram, I says. Pinky reaches for the gun in his waist. Obviously not happy with me because I just commanded the girl to leave. He goes to draw the weapon, but within a second I have his hand in mine and I squeeze, breaking all his fingers. 
tries so hard to be tough. Not a yelp, not a scream. I'm a little disappointed. I want this to hurt. So I squeeze harder. He still has the gun in his hand. And I'm turning the bones in his fist to jelly around the steel of the pistol. He can't take it. He howls in pain. The girl's long gone. And I can feel the purple veins beginning to bulge around my eyes. And then, click, my fangs pop into place. Strangely, Pinky doesn't look as frightened as my prey usually does at this point. Why are you doing this? He asks me as I push him against the brick wall. I say, are you serious? What do you think I'm doing? Why do you think that you have the authority to take women's lives? Not just literally, but figuratively. You've doomed these girls. You take their lives. I take yours. I lean in, fangs protruding, and I'm just about to take a bite when he says, I own these streets, not you. <laughs> Is this guy kidding me right now? I got him up against the wall. I'm clearly a vampire. Supernatural strength. You know, the whole schmear. And he's seriously giving me attitude. I could snap his neck as easily as a toothpick. But I decide to have some fun with this prick. Okay, tough guy, I tell him. Run. What? You heard me run. Let's see what you got. You say you own these streets, then own them. Run. Let's see how far you get before I catch you. He pushes me off of him, and I allow it. Then in an instant, he takes off down the alley. I watch him as he runs. Smile a little bit, because within about four seconds, I'll catch up with him. Stand in front of him, and then I'll suck him dry. I was wrong. I caught up with him in three seconds. His eyes are dancing inside his skull in disbelief. I lift him off his feet. Look him up and down. Drag it out a little longer than I probably should. And then I rip open his throat and suck his blood. <sighs> that metallic taste. Ugh. Like tap water when you have rusty pipes. He's full of crank. It's in his system. Makes his blood taste like shit. <sighs> now I'm going to be high for the next 12 hours. I hate drinking the blood out of a drug addict. It's poison. It's disgusting. But I have to drain him dry because he's my target. I have to feed. And if I don't, 
he'll turn. And there's one thing I can't do is bring another asshole into this world with the power and speed and strength of a vampire. It just wouldn't be very good for me or anybody else. So as it stands, I'll drain him dry and I'll find some place to hide for the night. Fighting cravings because I'll need at least 10 more pints of blood, but I will not kill someone innocent and whatever high he's on will soon be visiting me. I'll need to find shelter because I'll be too high later to find it and I may not be able to defend myself. The next night I wake up with a hangover. God, that was a horrible high Pinky gave me. But at least the world is down one less criminal. Tonight, I'll go out, I'll walk the streets, I'll find more targets. The cravings are getting worse. I'll probably have to drink at least 30 to 40 pints of blood tonight. That's three, four people. Shouldn't be too hard to find in Los Angeles. I mean, there's a drug cartel meeting later at Long Beach Harbor. Colombians. From what I'm told, the leaders enslave the drug traffickers and then murder them when they're done with them. So this might be fun because all the family lords will be there. Certainly going to make for an interesting night. My stomach is already growling in eager anticipation. Okay, well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dark Corner. The short story you just heard is called I Go by Tony and was written by myself, Kyle Kaufman. I actually wrote that story in a creative writing class in college. I just thought it was a very interesting take on the typical vampire story, but this time reversing it, following a lot of vampire mythology, but creating some of my own, uh, being like frozen in time, essentially, you know, Everybody's got their own ideas of what happens when you turn into a vampire. And there's a lot of different stories. And can they go outside in the day? Can they not? That sort of thing. So I just kind of wanted to put all those elements together in this short story that was a part of an assignment in my creative writing class. And I created this character, Tony, and uh, he <laughs> he was really he was really something. And uh, I thought this would be a good story to share on Dark Quarter. I want to thank my friend George Brooks for reading this episode. I go by Tony. His Brooklyn accent was far superior to anything that I could ever try. And uh, thank you so much to him for doing that for us. And just a fun fact, I actually met George in film school. Uh, I wrote and directed a short film called Crazed about a vigilante killer clown that I ended up casting him in as the killer clown. And we would go on to do another short film, a second one called Crazed Part 2, which is a sequel to it about that vigilante clown continuing getting justice on who he deems necessary. You can check those films out at my website, sebastianfilmsunlimited.com, Crazed and Crazed Part 2. Uh, George is also on Instagram. He is at Brooks Gree. It's username Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S-G-R-I-I. If you want to give him a follow, I know he'd greatly appreciate it. 
So thank you again for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Go By Tony. Thanks again to George for reading it for me. So if you are a writer and you are interested in submitting a short, scary story that you've written, please visit our website at SebastianFilmsUnlimited.com. From there, click the podcast tab and follow the instructions to submit. We would love to read what you have. We're kind of looking for anywhere between five to 10 pages double spaced, enough you know, to give like a 30-minute podcast episode. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please share this podcast with your friends and family and have a hauntingly good week. Until next time. This episode of Dark Corner was created, produced, and edited by myself, Kyle Kaufman. Our opening music was composed by Mauricio Perdillo. Background music during read provided by Mule Tami from freesound.org. This has been a Sebastian Films Unlimited presentation. You can visit our website at www.sebastianfilmsunlimited.com and find us on Instagram at Sebastian Films Unlimited.